Whether you're pre-trib or pre-RAF, it's important to dispose of the pretense that expensive insurance is something that you're stuck with. Most people don't shop around for better insurance rates until years after they get their policies. And with the price of a loaf of bread slowly approaching a day's wages, it's important to save where you can. That's why the Better Insurance Agency is here to help with options for home, auto, life, and small business insurance. Visit us online at www.thebetterquote.com or call us at 540-200-8646 today to see about switching to a better insurance company. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Please note that if you're listening to this commercial after the rapture has taken place, the Better Insurance Agency is probably closed. Hi, this is Derek Gilbert. If you want to know your Bible, you have to dig, and you're in the right place. This is the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. You know, I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't it, is it this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. Nephilology round table. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? Well, everybody, we're back. We're back in the house, uh, down Justin. So sorry, all you long distance pals. You didn't get to hear it <laughs> today, but. But uh, today, we're uh, lucky enough to have uh, Vicki Joy Anderson with us, the author of uh, They Only Come Out at Night. Uh, we've talked to her in the past. It's been, it was a, I, I can't even tell you how many things went wrong that night as far as the, all the different uh, mechanical or, the, you know, electronic issues that we had were, were unbelievable. And somehow God still let that episode be made. Uh, really important information and really delving into some some deep stuff that's not really talked about a lot, but we wanted to bring her back um, for the topic that we're going to get in today. But we'll get into that in a few minutes. But um, I think we should jump in uh, to some prayer right away. What do you think, Ben? Yes, sir. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Uh, thank you for allowing us to have this time together to to really look into your word and to to use that to help us make good decisions in our lives and to really seek you the way that you want us to seek you. Lord, just continue to, to bless us, help us reach that one person out there that really needs to hear this message. And, and your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. So today uh, we decided a little bit, it's something that's been kind of eating at me a little bit because um, a couple weeks ago, um, I, I saw a an article pop up. Aaron Rodgers, uh, the quarterback for the New York Jets, actually speaking at the psychedelic conference out in Denver, and um, with them 
legalizing uh, this the the psychedelic class of drugs for even recreational use and it, it's a it's a slippery slope and a pretty scary thing considering if you remember they were the first state to legalize marijuana and it's just kind of we're starting to see a snowball effect and i think it's only going to get worse but before we get into it vicky how are you doing i'm doing great great to be back on you guys we are excited mm-hmm. ben are you excited yes i'm excited <laughs> Man, a few words. <laughs> it's been a day. I understand that. You you got lost. You got what? Is that today that happened on the side of the road? Your car broke down? Oh, or no, that, no. That, that, that was work truck? That was Tuesday. Tuesday? Yeah, fuel pump quit. Jeez. Luckily, we're just right outside of the plant we worked in. We still had to push it out of the road. Got a little extra work but, out there. Yeah. I had my workout for the day, for the week. For the, <laughs> I don't work out. Vicky, anything new happening with you? Anything? Any projects on the horizon? Uh, you can talk about the conference coming up. Yeah, yep. Go Therefore is coming up end of July in the Dayton area of Ohio. This is Dr. Mike Spaulding, of course. He's been doing this for years. So we'll be out there and all the usual suspects will be there with me. All of our favorites, my my buddy Tom Dunn and Kenny C will be there. But then we've got Coach Dave and Michael Lake, uh, David Hebner, Dr. Sharon Tenpenny, uh, Casper McLeod. I know I'm missing people. Greg Reed will be there. He's one of my buddies. So that'll be great. I think you can still register for that. I think if you go to gotherefore.com or something like that, it might be gothereforeconference.com, but we'd love to see you out there. But yeah, everything's going great. Still going strong with Tom doing through the black stuff. We're kind of taking some of the summer off. But I'm working on another book, and I've got some really cool stuff coming up uh, this year by way of of opportunities. So more on that later. I look forward to that. Um, I, is there any spoilers you can give us, or is it is it top secret? Uh, it it's top secret. <laughs> so key, everybody, everybody, stay on the edge of your seat because it's coming. If you if you haven't read, they only come out at night. Please, please, and I think that's under L.A. Marzulli's label. If correct. I'm correct. Yep. Spiral of Life. Yep. Um, L.A. Marzulli to get a copy of that. I highly recommend it, um, Vicky. And and I'm not just saying that because you're on here. You are a phenomenal writer. The way that you piece that together and and the I don't know, just the way you portray it. It's very, it puts you in, it puts you there, which actually I wish you were a little worse writer because it kind of scared me reading in a couple spots. So uh, I do appreciate that a lot though. It was an excellent book. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. So go out and please, please uh, get a copy of that book. It's phenomenal. But onto this, the, the subject at hand here, um, talking about that psychedelic or hallucinogenic I said it right that time. All right. I know. I tell you what, I struggle (laughs) with that word. But onto that, if I I told you, it kind of with the Aaron Rodgers thing coming up the last couple weeks, and 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 kind of he was a big fan of ayahuasca, and this is something that came out with the with the league with a few different things, and he were they were trying to determine whether or not it was legal or illegal for him to do it, and all these different things. But he's really stuck by his guns on this, and 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 he has some. It's interesting because he has some interesting uh, ideas on this, which uh, like it's a scary, slippery slope like we talked about. But he called the use of this drug radically life changing. And that's when he was just speaking at that Denver psychedelics conference that we were talking about. And uh, he really starts pushing. And if you listen and you read people who are highly impressionable, people who really look to their role models, people who look to these celebrities for their the way that they should live their life which is kind of scary but it happens a lot more in our society than people like to think he says is it not ironic that the things that actually expand your mind are illegal and the things that dumb you down have been legal for centuries so he's pushing these things and it's and he he even had he took it um he used ayahuasca in 2020 and 2021 when he won the mvp those two seasons in the in the league in the NFL. And he says, it's not a coincidence. It's the universe bringing things to happen when they are supposed to happen. 
So you're seeing this, you know, it's a, almost a new agey, well, it is a new agey thing where we talk about this, you know, enlightenment or, or this either finding your inner self, which some people believe those trips are, or potentially getting information relayed to you from another entity, you know, whether it's God or whatever you may think it is. But um, one other very interesting thing, the way he said that is, I guarantee you all the bums who want to come after me online about my experience and stuff, they've never tried it. They're the perfect people for it. We need to get these people taking it. So not only, not only is he taking it for himself, but he is encouraging this out to the rest of the public, which is, um, unfortunately, when, when people like this get the limelight, right, this is pushed on our society. This is pushed out there, and people are much more apt. It gets, it gets a lot more exposure, and people are much more apt to say, well, oh, well, if he's doing it, you know, it can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what's wrong with that theory. Uh, first of all, I'll preface what I'm about to say with this. I believe Aaron Rodgers is the same guy who was in the news that after he had done ayahuasca twice, now in waking life, he sees the shadow man following him all over the place. So, you know, there there's the other side of it. Well, whatever happens in these other dimensions, whether it's the astral plane, they have all sorts of fun, super cool, trendy names for it now. They don't say astral all the time. They'll they'll come up with some quantum sort of cool sounding sci-fi. So now you're in a, a liminal space or you're in the metaverse or you're in hyperspace or you're in a fractal dimension, whatever they whatever you want to call it. Whatever happens there, there are things that attach in that realm that come back into the physical realm with you we see this caricaturized in horror movies and sci-fi films all the time even uh, nightmare on elm street being a classic example they'd have these dreams but then they would see freddie in real life and he'd be chasing them and etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh that that's based on some truth in plain sight there but uh regardless this is the one thing i'd want to get out to the masses This is the breakdown with having celebrity spokespeople. If you're an A-list Hollywood celebrity, you're a politician, you're a sports figure, if if you're a multimillionaire, you are useful to that spirit realm because they know that you've got influence. And their entire goal, if you read my book, is they're they're out to transform the culture right now they just want to transform the culture but they also want to transform our mindset and our worldview and eventually they're going to transform us uh, physically as well through singularity but the problem with having all of these celebrity spokespeople is there's a breakdown between the experience of an elite millionaire and the everyday idiot who has to get up every day and work their nine to five. The experience that the elites are getting in this astral realm is exactly the same as the experience they get on the physical plane. They're better than us. They're rich, they're famous, they're beautiful. Everything's at their disposal, everything that they want or need because they have the power of influence and they have the power to transform culture. They are useful to these entities. We are not. So Aaron Rodgers or whoever else can come back and talk about how wonderful it is and how, hey, I, I got a bunch of, you know, uh, championship rings out of this deal and you too can go up there and be as a God and you'll come back and you'll get that job promotion and you'll get that beautiful woman. And the fact of the matter is they're getting the celebrity package You are not. Okay. So when you go to the astral realm and you go up to the like Alamo rent a car, you're not getting the Bugatti or the Porsche. You're getting the Yugo that like is running on two cylinders. So don't think that Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca trip is going to be the same package that you get because it will not be. I guarantee it. Well, this takes me back to that Ephesians 612. We talked about a bunch of times is, you know, we we're not we're not fighting against something physical. You know, there's things that are supernatural in this world. Our real enemies, you know, they may seem physical to us in a physical form, but there's there's a man behind the mask, if that makes sense. There's someone that's pulling the strings. And that's coming on that on that supernatural 
world. We've talked about it before with uh, in Daniel when when the angel says that he's coming, you know, to to warn Daniel, and it took him two weeks to get there because he's fighting the prince of Gre- or the prince of Persia, and he says when he leaves that he has to fight the prince of Grecia. So, you know, and he didn't, he couldn't get through to Daniel until Michael, I think it was Michael came and, and, and helped him so that he could get through to Daniel. So this supernatural war is going on all around us and it's always happening. And anybody who doesn't think they're influenced or have these things around them um, is just poorly equipped. So we need to really, that's, I mean, that's a big part of, of you know, what we try to bring is, is awareness of, the fact that this this supernatural realm uh, exists we've talked about it from day one with that supernatural worldview you know looking back at at um michael heiser's unseen realm and and really seeing that this stuff is is all around us and it's right through the bible it's just that the way that people interpret it they want to make everything rational they want to understand things in a physical context that's right in front of them they don't want to have to something that doesn't seem out of that realm of or seems out of the realm of reason um people yeah no i can i can reason with it i can make it's like the evolutionist thing where they say well the 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 reason we can believe in evolution is because it took you know billions of years because they, they, they have to have that because then you can't disprove it you can't say well look it's right here well no it didn't take billions of years so it's the same kind of thing um just really really crazy to me though how how this how this whole thing has come about and and really and maybe it's kind of been under my nose because I haven't that's one thing and I'm sure my mom will be glad to hear this but I've never tried DMT Uh, you know I've never tried ayahuasca I've never tried any of these things but um the DMT stuff especially is getting extremely large and uh, I was just watching and and it was a couple of um actually I was listening to a, a seminar that a couple of guys, and I, I don't have their names on top of my head, and, and you, believe it or not, in these 50 pages of notes, I don't have them written down. But a couple of guys who were doing a study, and, and Graham Hancock was actually talking about this too, and said that these two guys are doing this study where it, if you say you smoke DMT, you know, it's anywhere from like a 3 to 12-minute high where you're in that you, a trip, I should say, where you're, you know, uh, having this this almost out-of-body experience and these two guys have decided that they were going to do and they're not the first ones but they're the ones that have controlled it the best where they kept the brain at a I guess at that euphoric level for an hour with the drip like the same thing you use for anesthesia anything like that they did it and they these guys would be under for an hour and they would have everybody you know go through for an hour then they'd ask them all a series of questions and things of this and the crazy thing is they're meeting and talking to the same entities they're they're seeing the same things they're having the same experiences even though they're doing a drug separately but they're meeting the same entities to me that just really goes back more into what you were talking about Vicki about how this is you know we're going into a place where where it's it's beyond our comprehension but there's something there's something real there it's it's a mm-hmm. supernatural spiritual realm and um it's really scary now that this stuff is this stuff you know maybe used to be frowned actually if you go back through history there was time you know these things have been used in religious rites and things like that throughout history we talked about it earlier ben with the uh, like the the you know, American Indians, you know, using the peyote, um, which was actually, it's just has mescaline in it, you know, has, um, you go through and you look at, um, and I got all these written down somewhere, but there's so many different, uh, things like LSD, you know, was actually created on accident by a Swiss chemist and he didn't even realize, you know, and that was in the 1930s. And by the fifties, the CIA is using it in MK ultra trying to find out that, or trying to use it for mind control. And, and this is stuff that's all commonplace. This is open. This is public knowledge. They gave a lot to the Vietnam soldiers, yeah. too, some of the stuff. So, as Now, this is terrible, and I, and I don't know how many people super, know this. Super soldiers and stuff. They did that. And I've worked with, in my job, I've worked with a number of Vietnam vets, number of Vietnam vets. And um, they've told me that when they issued, this is crazy, and I know this is a little bit of a side note, but they issued you a necklace when you 
first were going to get dropped over in Vietnam. And on the necklace was a bunch of vials. And each vial was something different, whether it's PCP or whatever it may be, all the way around, all sorts of different drugs. And we wonder why a lot of these guys that come back from Vietnam are the ones that are struggling reintegrating with society. They brought them back as drug addicts. They gave them these things that if you get shot, take this, you'll keep fighting. If you do, if this happens, you know, if you're scared, take this, you'll feel invincible. And so they gave them these drugs. And what would happen when somebody next to them got shot, they'd take their necklace and they'd go. And this, this little necklace had all these little vials. I mean, it's, it's, they, they did the same with the Nazis too. They did meth. They like gave them packs of meth to take. I think it was more of the SS soldiers. But to make them super soldiers. Well, I mean, they could march out for days without stopping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, well, and I think what we don't hear a lot in these discussions is drugs, anything from meth all the way down to anesthesia. When, when we're under the influence of something that puts us in an altered state of consciousness, we are also highly susceptible to suggestion. And this isn't just drugs, this is any altered state of consciousness. So even if you're under like hypnotism, that kind of a thing, alcohol, uh, and even during times of sleep paralysis or in these, these astral events, we become highly susceptible to suggestion when we are in these states. And so we're all talking about it in the realms of entertainment and free choice. And we're gonna do this just because it's fun and it's high, you know, you get high off of it. But depending on who's facilitating this, you know, whether you're on a retreat in South America and it's being facilitated by a shaman, whether you are in a clinic in Denver and it's being administered by some sort of a physician of some kind, you are only as safe as the motives and the integrity of that person administering it to you. So right now it might be entertaining because they have to get everybody hooked first. But once everybody's hooked and we've gone from point A to point Z in the Overton window and nobody's questioning the ethics or the morality of this anymore and everybody thinks it's cool and it's as common as smoking a cigarette. At that point, that's when the nefarious people with motives and intentions can come in. And you're now putting your life in the hands of someone. You're going down, you're, you're out, you're, you're down for the count. And you are now putting your life in the hands of whoever it is that's administering that to you. And I just want to give a little example. I hope I can say this quickly because I don't want to waste too much time on it. But you're good. I, I, I remember when I was probably about four or five years old. And I was in the hospital for one of my surgeries. And what happens in a children's hospital is the anesthesiologist will always come before the surgery and he'll walk you through the whole anesthetic process because you're a kid and you don't know what's happening. And, you know, it, it's to like put your fears to rest. And so at this point, even though I was only five, I had had so many surgeries at that point. I'd had anesthesia a million times. I knew what to expect. I, I, I knew the mask, I, I, I knew what to expect. So the guy came and I was just kind of like, you know, here we go, here's the spiel. And this anesthesiologist started telling me, now we're gonna have you count backwards from 10. And by the time you get to five, you're gonna be on a spaceship. And even at five years old, I'm thinking, this guy's tripping. I, you don't dream, you don't hallucinate. I, I, I legitimately was giving him the wrinkle, you know, like what, you know? And he painted this whole scenario about how when I went under, I was gonna visualize that I was on a spaceship. Never in my life before or after did I have any sort of visualizations or hallucinations when I had uh, um, anesthesia. So this must've been around 79. And so maybe I was a little bit older, maybe I was seven or eight. I had just seen the movie in the theater, The Black Hole, super old school, cheesy sci-fi movie. Uh, but that was my only area of, of familiarity with space or a spaceship up to that point in my life. And so show enough, when I went under the next morning, I'm on a spaceship. And not only am I on a spaceship, but it it's like the suggestion was pulling from my own reservoirs of knowledge. So the only spaceship I was familiar with was the one in this movie. And so it was the one in the movie. And for, for the five seconds or so before I went under, I 
reimagined myself in the scariest part of that movie. And my parents put me in an escape pod because the, the mothership that we were all on was going to blow up. And they get me on this this escape pod and I'm so relieved. And, and I turn around to like say to my mom and dad, we're safe. And it's a one-seater. And I look and my mom and my dad are still on the mothership in a, like a porthole waving as it blows up. I'm like five, six, seven years old. So I went under into that surgery in sheer terror. Mm. And it never happened again. No anesthesiologist ever said that again, but this is what I'm telling you. It was a children's hospital. And I don't know the motives or the intent of that guy if he was just trying to make it like more palatable to a child or less scary. But what I learned at that I don't think I learned it in that moment, but what what I was able to draw from as I got older and I was in high school and people were telling me how great pot and meth and all this stuff was. Uh, I remember asking a friend in high school, well, what's it like? What's it like being high? And they said, well, it's kind of like this. And they explained to me what was exactly my experience with sleep, sleeping gas, mm. with, an with anesthesia. And I had long as a kid, the worst thing in the world for me was needles. And I got to a point at around 11 years old where when I had the choice between sleeping gas or a needle to fall asleep for the surgery, I started picking the needle because the sleeping gas made me so uncomfortable. It was so frightening to me to be out of control. And so I'm just saying this for people that at some point, whether there's nefarious intentions or not, you are at the mercy of another person who's administering this slow drip to you or it's a shaman or there's someone administering they're taking care of the dosages they're the ones mixing it they're the one picking the plants and they're the ones being able to decipher if it's what's poison or what's not you are really taking a lot of risks and when you're putting yourself in altered states of consciousness and you are out like a light in the hands of someone who you don't know or necessarily trust or doesn't necessarily have the same worldview or belief system as you, and you're at their mercy. Um, at some point when this crosses the line from fun entertainment into culture shifting transformation, preparing us for a new age, a new golden age, a new world order, whatever you want to call it, uh, you better know where that tipping point is and you better know who your friends are because at some point the the susceptibility we have to suggestion is going to really get us in trouble and if you think i'm solid in my faith i'll, I'll here, here's my non-negotiables with what i believe about jesus being the messiah and when you are in an altered state of consciousness and you're in a, a, a period of suggestibility and you're with someone who is not sharing the same worldview as you that is the trifecta for disaster. That's that's pretty intense right there. The only experience I had um, with, I had, and it's funny you said that you brought that up and then yours was a lot more terrifying than my experience with it. But the one time, I've been under anesthesia a bunch of times, but one time the, uh, I, I thought, and I, I, don't, I still don't know that I hadn't been given enough or something because the it was weird the ceiling started moving and changing shapes and it remember those old like uh, uh 80s computer screensavers that the, the the shape bounced around off the walls and changed in colors that's what was happening the whole time i was there and then all of a sudden i i woke up and they were still it was pulling my wisdom teeth and i woke up well they were still doing it i took the needle out of my arm and i actually jumped out of the chair and ran through the dentist office high-fiving everybody I high-fived the people in the chairs, get their teeth cleaned. I high-fived the hygienist. I went to the front desk, high-fived the girls there. I just, gave you I some just, good stuff. I was, I was happy. Wow. Anyway, any, I was very, yeah, there's, my wife would say something else. She would say it was pretty ridiculous, but <laughs> it was. Well, I mean, you have a son just the same. I do, actually. So. Yeah, you can tell he's, uh, <laughs> you, you could tell me he's mine with just, just uh, listening to him, but. Um, I guess kind of switching gears a little bit would be the fact is, you know, a lot of people make the argument that, oh, some of this stuff is medicinal. It's, it's, it's meant to help you. It's all these things. Well, you think, I mean, even, you know, and there is some things that are, if like, for example, you know, marijuana actually has the ability to stunt cancer cell growth and certain things are, are used 
the right way, but just like anything else, we can abuse it. I mean, Jesus drank wine. He just didn't drink the whole cask. You know what I mean? It's, you got to think about the fact that how are things being used? You know, we are given a gift, but you can still abuse that gift. And if you go back, and this is the book of Enoch, regardless of, I know it's not canon, but we, ought, we like to use some of these um, non-biblical references that sometimes will support the Bible and things of that nature as well. But First Enoch 7, 2, um, and this is talking about the fallen angels coming down and the fallen angels um, uh, teaching humanity um, basically the forbidden knowledge, things from heaven that, that, that we're not supposed to know about. So in 1 Enoch 7, 2, it says, And the angels taught them charms and spells and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. And if you go a little further, 1 Enoch 8, 3 says, uh, Semiaza taught the casting of spells and root cuttings. So not only are we, you have to look and see that we're, we're talking about, they put these things in the same, uh, the same class here, the angels that are teaching the, or the angel that's teaching the casting of spells is also teaching, you know, the root cuttings or, or using these plants for, and it's not like they didn't know what, you know, how to use plants. You know, the Garden of Eden was, God said, eat from every plant except for this one. You know, Cain was a, uh, was, he worked the ground, it says, right? He was a farmer. So they knew what plants were. They knew what to eat. They knew these things. And then we get a little closer to the flood. How about that? A great cataclysm because terrible things are happening on earth. And it's talking about the fact that they taught them those things and made them acquainted with plants. They were acquainted with plants quite well. So what were they teaching them to do with those plants? So when we get to this point, there's some things that I still believe on this earth. You know, when it talks about the charms and spells, I don't believe that that stuff God intended to be here on this earth. And I don't think humans just said, you know what, I'm going to say these magical words and they're, I'm going to put them right in this right order and say this thing and chant this. And all of a sudden something's going to appear. I don't believe that's just humans just made that up. That, that can't be. That's not how that works. Somebody had to tell them these things. So the same thing with this, when they say make them acquainted with plants, teaching them how to utilize them for euphoric highs or for um, things that are not just medicinal, things that are beyond that, things that are for recreation, for leisure, that are, um, you know, taking God's gifts and, and turning them into, you know, something something evil taking them and abusing them so i that's just an interesting way i took from looking at the book of enoch i thought that was kind of interesting well with all that i mean you look at hollywood and we've already discussed my (laughs) horror story you know watching movies and stuff over in iraq and I, i won't watch them anymore at all but i mean where where do they come up with the the story plots like, someone's telling them something. Who 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 should come up with a Ouija board? Where did this evil come yeah, from? Yeah, I mean, but we all know, don't mess with a Ouija board. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or some, I mean, they have movies about it. That, uh, oh, it's, I forget. It's like a, a YouTube, <laughs> a GoPro movie. Oh, where. The- whatever is it the Blair they, Witch or something no about, or? it's it's like the girls sleeping or whatever and then this bed sheets pick up and uh, it's weird stuff but <laughs> I can't remember what it's called but they had like two or three of them um but I mean all this stuff you know it's you, you believe in the Bible you believe there's angels well then you have to believe there's demons right well I mean, it's, we can't see the angels and we can't see the demons. So, but we obviously assume they're around, right? So you start messing with all this stuff, and how do you... Differentiate? Well, well, obviously you're supposed to test the spirits. We know that to dif- differentiate from them. But how do you get in contact with one? You call them on your telephone? No, you got to figure somehow, and that you know it goes to taking acid, having your trips to this this smoking this stuff, doing you know the Indian peyote 
the the peace pipe whatever mm-hmm. doing you know what i guess it's the pay you know in their little tent so they can see what what's going to become of them or what kind of man should they whatever you know some big journey and and then it's okay then you have people that that you have to go to like in in uh first samuel where saul went to the the Ove of Endor, the, the medium. The medium, right? Which he already banned them all, you know, in Israel. But yet there's one that obviously he knew about that just kind of, well, we'll just let that one be just in case, <laughs> right? It's it's one of them, like, it's it's something real. Or else why would Saul go ban them and then go to it? I well, mean, so, I, so it's not it's not just... You know, oh, we're all just making this stuff and, and we're crazy. Like, there, there's actual evidence in the Bible that talks about it. Just everybody overlooks it. And and that's that's what we're trying to, to bring, bring to light a little bit. I think that that's very, I think that's a very good point because I, I do believe that that stuff's here now. Oh, it's definitely it's, here. And, you know, nothing new is under the sun, as we said. But when you talk about well, with, the, with that, I mean... Look at the Romans. They're kind of, if you look at Doomsday, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyways, like people say that the United States is on their last days. Almost like the Roman Empire were this big, mighty force and then look what happened in the politics and what what kind of the free love and all this stuff that wrecked them, mm-hmm. right? They might have started on something solid. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a Roman scholar. But, you, <laughs> no. know, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not any scholar. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just it, There, there's a circle, you know, like bell bottoms come back when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like it always comes around and comes around, yeah. and and all these demons they they have a game they have a game book that oh we'll we'll we'll, we'll push this little by little by little by little because if you give it all at once then they're going to reject it so let's give it little by little by little and then we can do this 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 and this that wrecks them mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of where we're we're at as a as a country as almost as a world. You and know, I, they're attacking us from every different direction. Oh yeah, because if it's going on here, it's going on in Russia, it's going on in China, just they don't talk about it. That's a that's a whole nother ball game. Um, we can get into the the. There's a lot that happened in other countries. We are, we lived a very shielded life as a, we have for most of our lives in America. We're very blessed that we've been in this country um, up to this point uh, with all the things that have. You know, our, the ability we have free speech, the ability that we have uh, to read the Bible, to have God's word in front of us. And not only that, we have God living inside of us. And if we go into this just a little bit further, you know, and we talk about um, the whole reason that through historically people have used this is mostly for spiritual type rituals. It's turned into recreation, but it was spiritual rituals. They were trying to either talk to God or talk to something, you know, and, and, and it was happening. You know, the, like you said, the Native Americans, they would have, they would go on their, um, their little sweat, their, the little sweat tents or whatever they called them. But they would go on their, their, their walks. They would go on these, these forest walks where they were trying to find their spirit animal and all these different things where the, until nature talked to them, they weren't allowed to come back. There's so many different ways that this has been used throughout history. And it's and right now it's just being repackaged and and the way that the the human race is letting it so much easier and so much be more um, uh, attainable is terrifying. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife Crystal and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. 
and we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. We're going to back it up here. Okay, let's back Sorry, it up. we're going to back it up. We, we, like, we love to get off base a little bit here once in a while. Usually it's me. But well, well, sorry. Anyway, so what I was but saying. But it's part of it. Well, it's, it is. It's, it's it, part of the the manipulating the, well, if this is okay, that's okay, that's okay. Well, let's try this. Oh, that's okay, too. Well, then next thing you know. We're blurring the boundaries right. is what we're doing. But um, what I will say. This it's is your truth the, not my, and my truth. They might not be the same truth, though. Well, there's no. Yeah, that's, that is a problem <laughs> with the. Anyway, we're, we're jumping back, Ben. We're coming back. Okay. All right. We're coming back. Okay. All right. Ben's got a political podcast. He's got to jump on after this one. We got to hurry. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I, might, I might start one. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is about these Nobody drugs. Nobody would like it. With these drugs, people have been trying to see, trying to see God, trying to communicate with God. They want to be on a, a level where that seeing is believing. You know, it's that whole reason that we talked before. If you can't see it, they have a hard time reasoning it. But if we go into the Bible, we see a few things that I think are really important when we talk about this. When people think that they're seeing God or they're seeing an angel, a spiritual entity that is going to help them, um, remember that, you know, Satan always can masquerade as an angel of light. But when we go in here, if you look at 1 John 4.12, it says... No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. One other verse I wanted to bring in here too was uh, 1 Corinthians um, was uh, 2, 6 through 9. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So we have to keep thinking here. This is stuff, we can't, think that everything's going to be perfectly laid out right in front of us these things are we can't always have that visual context we don't get to heaven because god's going to show up in front of us and give us a ticket we get to heaven because we have faith because we know that jesus died for us because these things have happened so i just i think it's really important that we understand that biblically these are not things that are supposed to happen we're not supposed to go on these trips searching for god it's things that were forbidden if you look at, um, you know, when it talks about uh, in Leviticus talking about the necromancers and the ones who are looking for the dead and things of this nature, we're not supposed to look into that spiritual realm. And that's exactly what we're doing here with this when we talk about, um, you know, these drugs and these things that are taking people down these roads. It's, it's actually, like I said before, it's terrifying. And, and when they do go down these roads... And these spirits are telling them, which are not good spirits, telling them, oh, well, it's okay to do this, do that. And and say it's like the, uh, the top class people of the world that everybody looks up to. Well, well they said it's good, so it must, I mean, it, it must, I want to be just like them. So, so I'm going to do that too. And so, so then, then you start twisting the culture because a few is, are leading the many, mm-hmm. pretty much. You're twisting the culture, and then, then you make stuff that's a total sin okay. Or seems to be. It's obviously not okay, but it, it it's, makes it's okay in culture. 
plausible. Right. I mean, look at look at just like the whole trans thing and the the. I said back it up. I know, but and and the the well, they call them the the young, the ones that like the younger ones. I mean, there's there's no way that's right. No, it's not right. But some somebody's telling these people that oh well, we'll just you know that's okay, and, and it's these these bad spirits. So, one other thing, Vicky, and I'd like your input on this here is is DMT actually is numerous uh, numerous times it's called the God drug, right? It's it's called because people think that's what they're seeing or that's what they're trying to find, and um, I don't know if you've ever looked at the website. I like it looking at it sometimes. I I, I don't always line up a hundred percent with it, but it's the got questions your answers uh, or your questions biblical answers if you've seen that before which i yeah. like a lot i think it's really good but they call dmt the jesus drug or the god drug um because two reasons for some people who have taken this drug believe they've encountered god or jesus during a hallucinogenic vision and number two a lot of people after experiencing one of these envisions have drastically changed their lives so these things are very real to them Things are there and, you know, I'll tell you this and I've used this. I can't tell you how many times from the first time we talked to you. It's my one of my favorite quotes you've ever had. But and you have a lot of good ones. I'm just I'm just saying this. That's how saying how good this one is. But this when you said you don't always have to leave the door open. Sometimes the windows crack just a little bit and that's all it needs. And it's so it's, that was such a powerful thing for me, hearing that from you and, and thinking about that and then trying to think about my own life. Which windows of mine are cracked? What am I letting in? What's there? And this is, and this is not even on that, you know, not even leaving myself open to suggestibility the same way you do in an unconscious or altered consciousness, but just in my regular life. And then think about how much worse that is when I let myself be in one of those altered consciousness, consciousnesses. But... Their Say little that quote. Five times fast. Nah, forget that. <laughs> their their little quote at the end of this, the way they summed up the little uh, spiel they had on DMT was actually, I think, a really good way of looking at it. It said, "Yes, we should be aware of the spiritual reality that surrounds us. However, using the Jesus drug or any other drug is not the proper method of spiritual growth and awareness. A psychedelic trip is not the path to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life." And God's word is the light for our path. Well, I would say if there's a drug that would say, hey, if you take this drug, you can talk to me. I'm sure Jesus would have told us. If we needed it. it uh, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if, it was a tr- if it was really talking to Jesus, he'd be like, hey, guys, so by the way, so when I leave and you got questions, just go smoke this little doobie over here. Mm-hmm. And we can we can have a one on one. I'm pretty sure he probably would have told us if that was the case. Uh, I've got a lot to say on this particular topic. The people that see Jesus, um, I agree with the got questions. People come out of these experiences spiritually transformed. That's pretty much the whole point of my book. Um, the problem is is that if these entities are preaching a gospel other than the gospel that was preached to us their spiritual transformation isn't one that's going to lead them to christ and so go to galatians 1 on that and there was a story very recently in the news within the last several months where there was a man in south africa i believe who was a high-ranking occult leader in the occult and he was doing a ritual in his home because he wanted more influence over over people and in the midst of this um ritual a bright light appeared and he was filled with love and so he concluded on his own that this bright light didn't have a face or a form it didn't speak to him it didn't give a name but because he felt love and the only other time in his life he had felt love like that was when a christian had hugged him he determined that the light was jesus Well, what the light informed him of during this ritual, not a vision, it was a ritual, was um, 
that heaven is not a gated community. And what he meant by that is this man practiced homosexuality and this bright light that he determined was Jesus was telling him, um, we don't close the gates on anybody up here. So uh, the Christian community took to him and he was all over the, the Christian channels and stuff. And I thought, well, the ritual worked. He wanted more influence. He went from someone that nobody had ever heard of to getting going viral after this ritual. And the fact of the matter is the, the gospel message that he received during that ritual, during that bright light that engulfed him in love was contrary to the scriptures. And so where I'm going with this is the name Jesus lost its trademark 20, 30 years ago. You know, it used to belong to, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. The trademark has been lost and everyone's got a piece of this now. Um, there's a Hindu Jesus, there's a Buddhist Jesus, there's a the theosophist Jesus, they call it Master Jesus. There is a galactic Jesus, his name is Sonata, S-O-N-O-D-A, I believe, Sonata. Uh, there's a Pleiades Jesus, uh, there, there, you know, the, the Galactic Federation has a Jesus, everybody's got their own Jesus. But this is what's interesting. Most people who have these ayahuasca or these DMT trips, they will talk about an ego death. They'll talk about terror that happens first. They'll see these entities. They'll fear, fear that they're dying. They'll talk about being taken to the brink of hell. You can talk about Megan, Megan Fox talks about this on some of the talk shows. Uh, but a lot of people who get to the other side in ayahuasca, they talk about an ego death or a death of self or a going to hell or something, almost like a portal they have to get through before they're enlightened. And uh, what's interesting to me about these people that give their ayahuasca testimonies is that they talk about this bright light and they talk about love and peace and joy and all this overwhelming orgasmic overflow glut of emotion and how wonderful it is and it beautiful everything was and their senses were all heightened. And you gotta try this because it was great. But let's compare that because we have some biblical examples of human beings who saw Jesus in his glorified state. And let's contrast an ayahuasca testimony with some of the biblical examples we have of people that saw Jesus in his glorified state. We have Peter, James, and John who went up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and saw him transfigured. So they went up Mount Hermon because that's the mount they were at. And Jesus transfigured into his glorified body in front of them. They went ballistic. Peter is battling all over the place talking about building tents. And it says right in the scripture that he was talking this way because they were all terrified. There was no bright lights. There were no orgasms. There was no, this is, you got to try this. It was great. They were terrified. Second example. We know that John had a special place in Jesus's heart. These guys were close. This is the guy that Jesus bequeathed his mother over to with, with the rights of the firstborn. Behold your son, behold your mother. Uh, John felt so safe and comfortable around Jesus that he leaned on his breast during the Last Supper. Jesus called him the disciple that, the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, he loved all of them. But what that means is there was a special place in Jesus's heart for John, and John loved Jesus. There was a familiarity there. There was a comfort level there. There was a safety there. There was a friendship there. There was a love there. Well, many years after Jesus died and rose, John got to see his best friend one more time on Patmos during the revelation. And he sees Jesus in his glorified body on the throne like a lamb that was slain, bright white. There's that bright light, right? And it says that John, this is his best bud. John fell as a dead man. And Jesus had to say, fear not. And we see this in scripture. Was it Isaiah? Ah, oh, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Uh, we see this all the time. And uh, Daniel was physically ill after his visions with perplexity and confusion. And so in a lot of these examples, 
the person has to be touched in some way. They have to be revived. They have to be given a supernatural ability to be in the presence of Jesus. A coal has to be touched to their lips before they snap out of the terror. And so what I think is going on there, it's not the wrath of God, he's gonna incinerate you. What, what it is, is that Jesus is holy and we are not. We are fallen, we live on a fallen world. Everything around us is in a state of deterioration nothing is holy. We have never experienced that feeling. And so when, when we encounter the living resurrected Messiah, and we encounter pure holiness, our entire physiology, our brain, our anatomy, everything shuts down and starts cycling down into death mode. Because it is such a contrast to our fallen nature. So to these DMT trippers and these ayahuasca trippers who come back, you know, snapping their fingers and doing little dances and talking about how cool it was and how Jesus said they were awesome. And the, the, the mental, physical, spiritual, and physiological reaction that the Bible shows when people saw Jesus in his glorified state is in dark contrast to this trivial sort of um, just lackadaisical, exciting way that people are explaining the Jesuses that they're seeing in this spirit realm. There is no way a fallen human being would get into the presence of Jesus Christ and not feel anything but their absolute degenerate state of unholiness. The response would only and always be a recollection of every wrong thing that they'd ever done. Whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. And it would be a falling before him. It would be a confession of sin. And this ego death is not enough. That's all ayahuasca offers us is an ego death which is a perceived death in our own mind, a hallucination. But we're told in scripture that we live with Christ when we die to the old man. We're talking total death. The old man dies and we resurrect and we're anew with Jesus Christ. We're not just anew in our same self, but just more humble because our ego has died. Um, and, and I would question whether the ego is really dying because a lot of these people on these ayahuasca trips do feel superior to those who haven't been on it, which is why Aaron Rodgers can say, if you, what, what does he say that, that these pompous or these haughty people are going to get on here and say that this is bad, but you've yes. never experienced it. Well, that, that's, that's not an ego death. <laughs> he said all these bums who bums. want to come after me online. But to yep. your same point that you just said, and it's it actually it kind of clicked for me when you said that is, it it tells us that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, I was and the way the that same, you take revel- that, yeah, you're you're gonna fall to your knees because you're terrified. You, that's your soul. That's the judgment of those people that are gonna fall short. So, all those people that are standing tall, thinking they're tough with their egos, the minute they get in front of that white throne of judgment. They will be on the ground the same way and they will know they are unclean. They're, they're impure. We all are. And, and I say this all the time. I said, I am no better than anybody else in this planet. There's not a person here that I am any better than we have all sinned and we all fall short. The difference is, is that I know I'm saved because I've confessed that. And I know that Jesus has died for me. And I think that's such an important part is that everybody out there is a sinner Everybody out there has been through those things, but we all have to understand that it, it's our salvation, not through us, not through works, um, but through grace so that no man can boast. And that's the whole, you know, this ego death. I think that's hilarious because exactly to your point, those same people have, if not bigger egos, maybe after that because of how special they feel or things of that nature. So Absolutely. They're chosen ones. If you have an encounter with, a God little G or a God big G, you're gonna come back with one of two conclusions. You're gonna come back from that experience thinking you are a God 
or you're going to come back from that experience saying there is only one God and it ain't me. And um, I just think that with all, all, all of this, you can be as a God, you know, it goes all the way back to the garden, but it's very trendy now with the Ascension doctrine. And you mentioned earlier, um, Michael Heiser in the unseen realm and Psalm 82. And this is what I would tell people who are unfamiliar with the scriptures and who are messing with this stuff. When they hold out the promise that you will be as the God, the, the little, the lowercase g, you will be as a God. I actually don't think that they're lying. Because if you go to Psalm 82, God pronounces a judgment on those little, little g gods. And he tells them their fate. And he said, you will die as men. So here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is they're going to make you as a God. They're going to make you like them. But guess what? Their fate is death. And that is your fate as well. Without Jesus Christ, your fate will be the same as the gods. And so they're going to keep their promise. Unfortunately, it they're duping you because it doesn't mean some sort of prestigious scepter and crown for all of eternity where everything revolves around your every little whim. Uh, it, it means that you'll be judged right alongside them and you'll receive the same end game as the ones whose faulty promises were held out to you. So uh, it, it, it just, it disheartens me, you guys, how many people are falling for this. And this, um, this desire we have that as long as the flesh rules and we can be lured into things because we can get whatever we want, um, we're in a dangerous position when the flesh gets to make all of these eternal decisions for us. To that same point, and I, I mean, as much as we see a degradation of society and we see a, a, a constant, we see the fall happening right before us, unfortunately, you know, we, we wish everybody to go to heaven. We want everybody to find God, but it does say that, so shall it be as it was in the day of no in the days of Noah. So we know this is coming. This has been foretold. We knew that things were going to get worse before they get better. And unfortunately, and, and we can say it the same way. The, here's the good news and the bad news. Unfortunately, people are falling away. But fortunately, we're that much closer to being with Jesus. And mm. and we have to we have to take the good with the bad and know that you know, things are in God's hands, but he has a plan for each and every one of us, you know, reaching out, uh, doing your ministry. And that doesn't mean having a podcast. That doesn't mean writing a book. That means every one of us. And we've just been going through that Acts Bible study that we, I just love Acts. That's my favorite book. And that was mm -hmm. Tom, Tom Dunn. I told him that I said, uh, and he goes, I don't even remember saying that, but I, I told him, I said, uh, you had, you had said this at that conference, the last conference we were at. And he goes, you know, Acts, I look at as, just a uh, instructional guide on how to live our lives. And mm. I said, that makes so much sense to me. You know, we're, our yeah. job is to go out and, and save as many people. And I say it all the time, but populate heaven and empty out hell. I mean, that's our job. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, to bring up another biblical example, the prodigal son, I think sometimes we miss the full extent of what's in that story. There's a lot of layers to that mm. story and the preachers all kind of glom onto one, but it's a perfect analogy for what we're talking about today because we've got gods in some sort of astral heaven promising us our entire inheritance now. You can have this wonderful life. We're gonna give you whatever you want. We're prosperity, fame, fortune, all, you know, all this stuff. And then we've got another God who's quiet and silent and slow to act and wants to prune us. And he's got an inheritance for us too, but we've got to wait for it. Not that we don't see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, because we do, but I really think that this is a prodigal son analogy. And these entities that we see on the si other side of the veil during the ayahuasca trips and the DMT trips and the psychedelic trips, they are the ones saying you can have your whole inheritance right here on earth to spend now in whatever way you want. But we're gonna wind up the same way the prodigal son did, eating with the pigs and having to go back to the Father begging for mercy. So it, it really is one of these things. Guess what? Everything that they are promising to us now through DMT, we will one day get in heaven 10 billion times better 
we just have to delay the gratification. And so it, it, it really comes down to, can we wait for it? You know, can, can we hold off for the promise that God has? Or are we gonna be the prodigal son and are we gonna demand that inheritance now? And I really think that uh, for those that demand their inheritance now, they're gonna get it. But the end is the pig pen. And so I'm just um, trying, to, I'm begging anyone who's listening that's tempted with this or they wanna try it or they have tried it or they think it's the be all end all. It is a false inheritance. The money will, will come to an end. The bank account will be empty. You will be bankrupt. Uh, but the inheritance that is waiting for you through Jesus Christ can never be taken from you. And the downside is you have to wait for it. The upshot is it's 10 million times better than the crap you're being offered in that astral realm right now. I'm really glad my spiritual bank account actually is much higher than my earthly one. So we're, <laughs> we're he doing bought okay. It, he bought a Jeep lately. Uh, yeah, for so, old, so he's well, he's no, learning old, how the old Jeep. He's learning I, the it, the Jeep the Jeep spin. Well, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I also drive a Jeep. So well, there, there you go. go. You're in the club. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vicky, thank you so much for coming on. I I love talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you at this conference coming up. Um, yeah. And there's. Uh, a couple other things that I'd love to talk to you about in the future and more. Uh, we didn't even really get into a ton of the veil stuff, which I, I find just fascinating. And I have a whole bunch more notes on that um, and different ideas. And some of this stuff is just my thoughts and whatnot. But I'd love to talk to you about that again sometime. Anytime. But, um, but yeah, thank you so much. If you'd like to say one more shout where everybody can get your book, anything like that, any other dates, go ahead. Sure, absolutely. You can find me at VickiJoyAnderson.com. You can contact me on my website. I'm on Instagram, VickiJoyAuthor. It's Vicky with an I. And if you want the book, they only come out at night. You can go to LAMarzuli.net. And be prepared and bring an extra pair of underwear. All right. <laughs> Thank you again. See you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Don't be like a county worker. Get in that hole and dig some. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel. See ya.